Okay, my name is Joanne, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you for asking me to come. Um, I did bring some pictures with me. I'm not sure if I was supposed to do that, but um, it is a physical, um, you know, there is a physical part to this disease, certainly for me. And food is my substance. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm an addict, and food was my substance. And therefore, um, that took me, there were substances that I did not want to leave behind for a long time. I was thinking this morning, um, I'm 62 years old. Next month I'll be 63, and there used to be uh, this game when uh, before computers got good. Um, <laughs> it was like you know when it used to have like only green and black, and and everybody was in a covered wagon and and they were going over and they would jump the furniture that they couldn't take because it was too heavy the wagon, and it took me so long to dump things out the back. I mean there I was stuck. And I did not want to dump anything out the back. Okay? It took me forever. I knew things weren't working. I knew that. I came into my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting in 1982. I, she asked me this morning, when did I, you know, join the program? Join, ha, very loosely. Um, but when did I walk in? I knew the minute I walked in, the minute the first person opened their mouth and started talking, I knew I belonged here. I knew in that minute that I was never going to spend one more penny on Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, or any other program like that, because I knew that the people here were like me, which just in itself was quite a gift. But it certainly wasn't enough to put me on the road to recovery, because I did not want it. I don't want to change. Oh my God, the word change? Don't even tell me I have to change my behavior. Don't even tell me I have to change this. Okay, because that's what this program is really about. If you think you can come here and put your toe in the water and get recovery, you're fooling yourself. And I fooled myself for a lot of years. I did a really good job, too. I'm a very good rationalizer. Excellent. I should have majored in rationalizing, but it's like I was almost born that way. I was a born rationalizer, you know, just a really good liar. See, rationalizing sounds so much nicer than lying, huh? (laughs) I'm really good at that. I can dress it up like nobody's business. (laughs) Sounds so nice, you know? But I sat here for a long, long time because, you know what? It felt good. It felt good to sit here and identify, you know, and to listen to people and get all that love. And it felt really good and I really liked it, you know, and... And I can't say that it didn't do anything for me, but like, it just didn't really do that much for me. I will say that. And um, finally, I don't know, you know, probably about 10 years ago, I finally just gave up on uh, rationalizing about sugar or lying to myself about sugar. And, you know, because it was like that game, you know, oh, it's sugar, it's not sugar, but it's honey, you know, it's not, it's not sugar, but it's brown sugar, you know, and all that, you know, nonsense that we do. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, it just turned out that that wasn't enough, which was like so sad. I wanted that to be enough, you know, and it just wasn't enough. 
But the day, so the day that was much better than that day, um, because I really, and I knew it, I knew that it was going to be flour and sugar, and um, I made this bargain with God. I said, okay, God, you know, if this woman walks into this meeting, I'm going to ask her to sponsor me. And knowing that she would never show up, because it was this weird off off track meeting that she never went to, and you know, so I, there I am at this meeting. She's never going to come, but if she comes, I'm going to ask it. Well, you know what happened, of course. <laughs> she walks right in, you know. Ah, oh, you know, so I made this park, and so of course I had, you know, so I had to ask her to be my sponsor. And uh, you know, so she calls me, and we're talking. Well, are you willing to give up flour and sugar? Yes. Are you willing to write your food down and follow the plan? Yes. And I'm saying these things to her like, sure. <laughs> you know, because I had never written my food down and followed a plan in my life. This is July 11th, 2011. Okay, so like six years and so many months ago. I had never done that in my life. I had not, there was nothing in this brain that had given me any prior indication that that would ever work that I would ever have the power to do that. So I woke up on July 11, 2011. I wrote my food down. I, you know, went through the day. And the next day I woke up and I had done it for one day. I'm just telling you, I had no idea how that happened. There was no flour or sugar in that food plan. And... You know, she had asked me to do this writing, whatever, these pages and stuff. And, you know, and, well, okay, so I'll do it this other day. And the days just passed, you know. And so, like, was that just exhaustion? Was that God? Was that whatever? You know, because at that point, to say that there was a God in my life, I would say no. You know, the bargain with God was like many, many other bargains I had made with God. You know, those bargains you made when you're, those ones where you're lying on the bathroom floor. Oh, God, I'll do anything to get out of this misery with food. You know, you don't really mean it. You're just desperate. You know, you know. but, you know, at that point, this head started like, following directions, you know, which was something I'd never really had considered as a solution. Because I had done it for like a few minutes here and there, but um, as a permanent solution had, I mean, I never really considered I'd be able to do that. That's really hard, like following directions, getting my will out of the way and doing somebody else's suggestion was like, eek, you know, what if I had a better idea? I mean, totally not paying any attention to the fact that none of my ideas were working at all. Okay. Anyway, so I was going along, going along, and, you know, things were going along, and I lost all this weight, and, you know, got, you know, kind of passed on, move on from that sponsor, got another sponsor, and was working the steps, and, you know, going to all these meetings, doing all this service, and, and, you know, things were just like, and, like, things were working. So, like, what was different? What had changed? You know, what caused that surrender to happen? You know, I don't know. Because I had been in the program a long time. 
a really long time. I've been in the program longer than I knew my husband. I met my husband in 1983, and that's how I remembered how long I'd been in the program. I was sitting there going, how long have I been going to OA meetings? Well, God, I met Guy in 1983, and I've been going to meetings since before I met Guy. And so that was a long time ago. And um, so I have been, you know, with my toe in the water, Googling around since 1982. But really making a commitment, really making that decision, like it says in the doctor's opinion, many resolutions, many goofing around. No, he didn't really say that. But never a decision. You know, never that commitment. You know, and I come up against this all the time now, you know, because, and I've shared this with people, with this flour and sugar thing, you know, the physical part is so powerful. I told people after I did that, I was like, wow, because this is what alcoholics must feel like. I was never an alcoholic, man. It was so easy for me to give up booze. I just didn't care. It was mostly for me just the calories. Like, who cares? I can drink, I can get a bottle of beer, drink this much beer, and like, oh, who cares? I mean, so I knew I was never an alcoholic. It just didn't bother me. I didn't care. But I never in my life took one bite of a chocolate chip cookie, set it down, and walked away. And I couldn't do it today. I'm not fooling myself. I could not do that today. I know it. I'm not fooling myself. You know, and there and that was not the perfect abstinence. There's have been other foods that I dumped out of the back of the wagon. I was just thinking about that this morning, like, oh, golly, I could name a bunch of things. You know, I'll throw out a, a couple of things I was thinking. I don't know if I can name them all right now, but popcorn, things I just can't eat like a lady. I wish I could. Uh, sunflower seeds, grapes. Oh, my God, how many years did I struggle with grapes? Out of the back of the wagon, you know. Raisins, oh Lord, the struggles I had with raisins. And, and the peace that I have now that I've thrown out the back of the wagon, it's so nice. Goodbye, goodbye, out of the back of the wagon. And, and you know, the food I eat, it's so strange, you know. And I think sometimes how it was and how it was. And what did I have to trade in? Well, I had to start following somebody else's ideas. I had to do a lot of work. I had to, you know, I read, I I get given um, readings all the time by my sponsor, and I I was back at Chapter 5 the other day, and, and, you know, the word honesty comes up a lot in Chapter 5 at the beginning, you know, and and about the unfortunates who can't, are incapable of being honest, you know. and, And you know what? I'm not one of those people. I am well capable of being honest with myself. Does that mean I always want to be honest with myself? Heck no. Because it's hard. It's hard to be. I want to dress it up, man. I want to just look the other way. and Oh, I'm not always like that. It's not so bad. It's not so... It wasn't so bad. You know, and... It's just a measure of, you know, how much peace do you want? You know what? I am sort of greedy for it at this point. You know? I really am. I'm kind of greedy for it. I, I don't want to have that. I'd rather just go, you know what? You decide. 
where I used to be the woman who wanted every detail in my hand. Just let me decide every darn detail. I want to make every decision because I know how to do it. I know how it should turn out. I know how it should be. I mean, I used to argue about pronunciation. I can remember in college getting into an argument. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Getting into an argument with my boyfriend about how to pronounce his composer's name. I was going to go to the mat over the pronunciation of a hard G. I mean, seriously, this woman, this head right here. Oh, my God. You know? And what did I have to trade for that? You know what? I'm like the least humble person on earth. I have a huge ego, and all my character defects come out of it. My fear, my self-pity. And what do I have to do? i got to write about that stuff almost every day. You know, I sit down, and I think about my day that just passed me by, and I think, oh, my God, there I was feeling sorry for myself. Because there's all those things. My head's gone. I know I don't have the physical part anymore because I don't eat the stuff that kicks it off. But that doesn't mean my head is totally relaxing. It still needs things to do, you know, my little noggin. It needs things to do, you know. It's like, it's always thinking. It never wants to stop. So if I pour that stuff onto the page and then I give it to my sponsor, Boy, and I don't want to tell her stuff. Sometimes I'll go, okay, this is going to make me sound really bad. I just, I just preface it. This is going to make me sound really bad. And the worst stuff is usually about stuff with my husband. I'll tell you, because he's the closest person. He gets the worst stuff. He's like the person I am the most selfish with. It's really awful. And I have to work really hard about stuff with him. You know, it's really, really hard. So I have to be really honest, as honest as I can be. And, you know, it gets better. But it's like, it's really humbling. It's really humbling to look at your own stuff, you know. And the part where you get to spend all day blaming other people for stuff has to get smaller. You know? You know, what, how would I rather spend my day, you know? I mean, in the perfect world, in my head's perfect world, I'm on Facebook all day blaming all those people, you know. You know, that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking about the world all day and what is wrong with you. Don't they know how to run the world? I, you know, but God, the churning that that causes me. It's so upsetting. I had to lower my minutes on that phone because I was just going crazy, you know? So now what I do is I I raise my minutes on other things. I raise my minutes on phone calls, just calling people and talking to humans, human beings, you know? I raise my minutes... I'm reading a big book. I know this is going to kill you. Reading a big book, you know. Because I really am, I have like a mental illness. You know, this is a disease, uh, you know, of the head. If my head didn't make up my mind to go eat something that I can't control, then it's not going to kick off my disease and I'm not going to really have a problem. But i got to deal with this before that happens, you know. And I have to go through all those steps, you know. So I go through that process over and over. So I have to write that, sh- uh, 
stuff down. Got to be really careful. I was going to spill it out to my sponsor, and I have to. I have to have that relationship with God. You know, God, please lift this fear from me. Fear is a big one. Almost every day, I spend time. Lift this fear from me. You know, I have so many fears, and they're like fears a little child would have. Oh God, I'm so afraid of making this call to the doctor's office. Oh my goodness, you'd think I was ten years old. I'm so afraid of making a call to the doctor's office. I'm so afraid of calling the guy about my financial stuff. Oh my gosh, why am I so afraid of that? You know, and as soon as I make the phone call, it's better. Okay, as soon as I do that next step, you know, and like, it's really funny because I've been married to, uh, since 1984. So this stuff has rubbed off on my husband. <laughs> It's like really funny. We'll be talking. He'll go. He'll go. Don't worry, honey. More will be revealed. <laughs> you know. Oh, he'll say. He'll say. Don't worry, honey. We just have to do the next step. And see how that step turns out. Because it's true. You know. We can't see ahead to how it's going to turn out. You know. That guy is going to say yes, or he's going to say no. You know. I mean, just an example. You know, I used to go, um, well, the steps. Okay, I'll let me stick to one thing. Well, I wanted to tell one other story because I haven't told the story. Um, I used to go in the store all the time and get a bag of grapes and eat them out of the cart. Okay, this was like a habit of long standing, you know. And I procrastinated on this amend forever. Okay, so there I was procrastinating. And, you know, my sponsor was being really nice about it, but <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and then, then she wasn't so nice about it. No, she really was nice about it, but it was like, you know. So finally, um, you know, I took some money and went, you know, wrote it out, read it to her, blah, 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 and, and went to the store and, um, you know, got this uh, manager of this girl. And, of course, everybody in the store is, you know, 30 years old or is it, the younger and uh, and he was really kind you know and and I said uh, I said you know I don't know if you know or have any experience with this but I'm in a 12-step program and so forth and you know and financial men and the eating in the store and without paying for it and so forth and he's just standing there <laughs> he's just standing there looking at me you know and and um, he's like, okay. And I said, so I brought some money with me. And I, he's like, okay. I said, so I'm just going to give it to you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I walked out of that store like... You know, like the 20 million pound boulder was off my shoulders, you know. I, you know, that, he was so kind about it. He was so, just, you know, I wasn't, I've experienced so much kindness and so much love in this program. As a child, I didn't really experience that, but in this program, I have Received so much love and kindness, and in his face, there was so much. I don't know. He didn't have to be kind about it. He could have just 
you know, been disgruntled about it, I suppose. But he was just really kind about it. And, and my experience with amends is, that's how it, my experience has been with amends, you know, making amends in this program. Um, you know, people have, in general, been very accepting about it. And, you know, I have gained a lot of uh, humility in that area of just having that acceptance, you know, that of being a real human being, you know. That's what has happened to me in this program. Um, working the steps has given me that awareness that I am just, I am a real human being and uh, sharing those weaknesses with other people in and out of the program um, has brought me closer with people. And I always thought just the opposite. I always thought that if I shared my weaknesses with people, that that would make them want to not be around me. You know? And it turned out to be just the opposite. So it really turned out that I really didn't know anything. <laughs> And um, that's not the only example. I could go on and on about the many examples um, of people I have known in and out of this program where I have let go of my old ideas. Um, um, and, you know, letting go is such a big part of this program. And, you know, it says on page 52 that, you know, our old ideas didn't work and the God idea did. And, and God has given me that gift of being able to let go of things, old ideas, you know, and, and being able to say, you know what, maybe my thinking was just wrong. Maybe he's really not like that. Maybe this situation really isn't the way I thought it was. And being able to, you know, look at things a different way, a new perspective. And what a gift that is in my life of just being able to look at it a different way. And, you know, it's so much more peaceful. And it's just, I never thought food would be such a small part. I thought food was this huge, monstrous problem. And... It just turned out, I mean, I'm so happy to be eating healthy and I'm so happy to be working out and doing all those things. It's really great and I'm really happy about it. And I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. You know, and it's really wonderful. But I'm just so much happier about the part where I get to, like, let people be what they are. I just let people figure things out on their own. It's so awesome. You know. Like, whoever thought people could figure things out on their own. <laughs> it's really great. It's really great. Anyway, I think that's about all I have to say for now. So, thank you. <laughs> this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. That's for sure. <laughs> when asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Okay.
please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I guess I'll restate your question after you ask it. Okay. So, is there anyone who would like to ask a question? The question is, could I please talk about my food plan? Certainly. Um, well, today I ate. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're sitting close or I don't know if you can see me, but I have, I have this little school desk here and I'm rearranging everything. I'm 62 years old and I don't think they understood OCD when I was a kid, but if, I, if they had OCD when I was a kid, would, they would have called me OCD. I have a calendar and I make all my food at the beginning of the week. Okay, so I have the whole thing filled out. You know, my food is, um, you know, as I said, no flour, no sugar, no popcorn, sunflower seeds, raisins, grapes, tortilla chips, veggie chips. Anything with chip in the title is like, mm, not work. Anything with bar in the title, mm, doesn't work. My head thinks bar is a cookie. Okay, so I'm just saying. So I eat oatmeal and berries every day for breakfast. I, I eat non-fat milk. I eat um, fruits and vegetables. Um, I eat chicken, fish. Um, I eat three meals a day, and I usually eat two snacks. A snack is usually if I'm if I'm lifting, I eat a banana in the morning. If I'm not lifting, I usually don't eat a banana in the morning. In the afternoon, I usually have yogurt, and sometimes I have a piece of fruit, and sometimes I don't. Um, or I have a, a cheese stick, like one of those mozzarella cheese sticks. Um, dinner is always like fish or chicken and roasted vegetables, and I almost always have a salad for lunch and dinner. That's what I eat. My grains are like corn tortilla, quinoa, oatmeal. That's generally what I eat. Next question. Yes, dear. Can you talk about... um I caramba. The question was, what was it like with a head full of program and a belly full of food? And the answer to that is, yikes. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, it's, it's like walking around with your, and your head feels like a rock. You're, it's, I don't know if any of you have any experience with lying. <laughs> you know how lying feels? Feels like you're lying 24 hours a day, even when you're asleep. So it feels really bad. You know, lying feels bad. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. You know? Because you're acting like you're doing something and you're walking around like you're doing something, but you're really not doing something. You're sort of pretending like you're doing something, but you're not really doing something. And, um, and that's really difficult. And I don't, honestly, I really, 
I don't blame anybody who's there at all, and I don't blame myself for being there either. I, I'm not mad at myself or anything, because what I really believe is that when you're ready, you're ready. And you, and you can't make yourself be ready. I mean, that's just the truth, you know. Yes, Hank, dear. Is that you? Yeah. Uh, so, um, no, it isn't. First of all, what is the proper pronunciation of the composer? <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, what do you do or what did you do when Pete was calling? Obviously, you're further along now. Maybe going back, do you remember what you did do when food was calling you at the beginning? In the beginning? Well, like, what beginning? 2011. Back in 2011. Once I gave up flour and sugar, food never called me. It was over. Apparently, that was the thing. How awesome is that? (laughs) But I don't want it to be a total you-know-what. Later, it was popcorn. That's why popcorn had to go. So, like, I didn't try to resist popcorn, but one day it had to go. You know, one day it just had to go. Because, like, it was too much, you know? What's that hamster in the wheel? One day it was too much... Like, there's a level of thinking that I just can't do anymore about food. I just can't think that much about food anymore. I just don't want to. I don't choose it. It's like menus. I don't walk in a restaurant and look at a menu anymore. I just don't. Thank God for this. I'm, ha- I'm holding up my phone. I look up a menu for every restaurant I walk in. I do not walk in a restaurant and look at a menu. No, 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 no. You know. When we were in Europe, they have menus on the board outside. I look at the menu on the board outside, and we don't go in until we find one that has something I can eat, and I'm ready to order it when I walk in. God bless my husband. He's like, let's go walk around until we find something you can eat. That's who I'm married to. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of feelings about service. Um, I love to do service, but I also have very strong feelings about sharing service. And, you know, I've heard people on, on tape say, I always say yes, I always say yes, I always say yes. But you know what? You need to sometimes let other people say yes. Because, um, yeah, it gets to be an ego thing sometimes if you're the only one always saying yes all the time. So you have to, like, kind of like sometimes encourage other people to say yes but yeah I've done a lot of service I've been on the board and done all that stuff and a lot of meeting service and speaking service and this is one of the few meetings I haven't been to really I've been to a lot of meetings this is a really nice meeting but um, yeah I've uh, I've done the events and hoi caramba talk about talk about thankless service but you know I Yeah, service is is really great. It's a really great thing to do. I would say especially if you're struggling. That might be the thing to push you over the edge into a real surrender. You know, and I think going to a lot of meetings, why not? Might be the thing to push you over. You never know what's going to be the thing that's going to push you over the edge into surrender. Yeah.
Oh, golly, you know, that's a, that's a funny thing because, you know, I always believed that there was a God, but it was one of those things where like, oh, you know, I thought I knew how things should turn out. And boy, they were not turning out, right? And, um, and it's funny. I think that I finally took that part in the book to heart where it says you can choose your own conception of God, you know, and, and especially... The part where he talks about, oh, that part where they're bemoaning the fate of the world. You know, they're sitting in Florida bemoaning the fate of the world. Because that was me. I was sitting in Florida bemoaning the fate. You know, and I really got that that was just ego. One day I just really got that. And, and, it, and like, who are you? Do you really think you know how things should turn out? Do you really think that things would be better if you were in charge. The world? Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was in charge of my family for years. And my, I'll, honest, I'll be honest with you, my family was not turning out too good. And that was only a few little people. <laughs> you know? I mean, we're talking about billions of people out there, you know, and... Uh, I don't think so. You know, I don't think I'm going to be in charge of climate change, you know. So, no. And I think I really, that kind of sunk in. And, and like, when I really turned to God and the meditation, yeah, when I really started doing that consistently. And it just seemed like it just got simpler. I don't mean that it got easier to believe it. I just mean that it it seemed to simplify down like like let it go. I just let it go. You know? Why are you worrying like that? Why are you holding on to all those things, you know? And why do you think you can make things turn out, you know, and why do you think you can love people better than God can love people? You know? God loves people better than anybody. You know? And, um, but the meditation and prayer, I, I, I started taking everybody's suggestion on meditation and prayer at some point. People would come up to me and go, have you tried this? Have you tried this? I just started doing everything. And at that point, my relationship with God really started taking off. You know, I started seeing God in everybody. You know, in every situation, in every person. It's like, wow, he really is everywhere. It's like this cosmic experience. You know, it's really nice. So, I don't know. It is perspective. It is a big letting go. And, you know, I don't know. But I do think the time, you know, I talk to people about meditation all the time and a lot of people just don't want to put the minutes in. They just don't want to, you know. And I tell them, you know, put the minutes in. Because miracles happen in those minutes. They really do. And, you know, it's not like I sit around for hours and hours every day. You know, it's like eight minutes here, ten minutes here. And, wow, the results I've got from those minutes, wow. Wow. You really start feeling the presence. 
So I would recommend that. If you're not doing that on a daily basis, I would really recommend that. You know, if you're not feeling that uh, your relationship with God is satisfactory, I would say, yeah, start putting those minutes in. Who else has a question? Yeah. You mean my husband? Mm-hmm. I told my husband like the first day I met him. <laughs> well, before we were even married. I remember I remember he thought I'd, he, I didn't know him well at all. But I remember that it was so important to me. And I remember at that time, I was when I first met him, I was really trying to work it really hard. And, you know, whatever. I don't remember exactly. But I remember telling him... <laughs> I remember telling him, Guy, God is helping me to give up sugar. And I, and I remember the look he gave me, right? <laughs> I remember the look he gave me very clearly. But I, it was never a secret. My eating and my uh, problems with food and all that stuff was never a secret for, for him. He knew that right away. So... He totally accepted me unconditionally from day one. So I was really lucky. I was really, really lucky with him. He's, yeah, really lucky. Really a gift. Have you practiced step three on a daily basis? Oh, golly. You know, action. You know, because it says in the book, you know, once you make the decision, boom, you're right into action. So uh, how I know I'm practicing step three is that uh, the minute I wake up, I start doing stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily do, you know. That's how it is, you know. I, um, I get up and I, and I do my prayer meditation, you know. I mean, that's how I turn it over right away, you know. I make my breakfast, you know. I, I, that's what I read the big book, you know. I do those actions that point me in the right direction because as my sponsor says to me, Honey, you go to bed recovered and you wake up an addict. <laughs> she knows. So when I wake up, I have to do those things. And then, then I'm better. Then I'm better. And then the whole day goes through like really well. Okay. Anybody else? Yes, dear. When the food stopped calling to you after you gave up sugar and flour, and you talk about how your brain, you know, gets, wants to be busy, did you find that? It must have gotten quite quiet, quiet in there. Did you raise? Did you try to fill that with other things, or I mean, was it uncomfortable, or was it was it just more of a? Oh golly, yeah. He's talking about when uh, when the food stops calling. What does your brain have to do? Well, my brain always finds things to do, mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I kept pretty busy, pretty busy with program. Yeah, I had I filled it with a lot of program. I and my sponsor gave me a lot to do. I always had a lot of readings. I have I have done a lot of work with literature, 
you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think at that time I was going to five meetings a week. I was studying literature every day, every day, and doing writing every day. Like, you know, the big book, the OA and the AA 12 and 12, the AA comes of age. I was really studying. And so, and, you know, listening to speakers on the tapes and everything, you know. So I needed to fill my head with, like, new stuff because my thinking was not very good, you know. And I would circle back to my old solutions pretty quickly. So, yeah, the more that I could listen to, and especially reading the big book, you know, and... I, um, I've learned a lot of the parts in the big book by heart. I find that that is very helpful for me. And I, if I can go, oh, where is that part? Like I have in the back of my book, um, like I have like favorite stories and favorite pieces and I write them down and I look, oh, where is that part? And I look up the page and I read it and, and that makes me feel happy. So then I'm, oh, like then, okay, I'm okay, then I'm, then I'm peaceful again and I can move on because my head yeah my head needed reprogramming pretty pretty powerfully so thank you